It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Brandon and I are talking about programming for groups, specifically programming for a CrossFit gym. This is something I have a pretty extensive experience with. I've been fortunate enough to program for three full years at the CrossFit gym where we're located here in Columbia, and then also I've had a chance to program for other gyms around the country and actually uh, some gyms outside the country as well. Um, all have been great experiences. And I tried to share with you in this episode a little bit of kind of the behind the scenes, not necessarily as much about the periodization, although we do talk about that and some of the intricacies of that and how you can still do those type of things with a group. But really, uh, some of the things that aren't talked about, um, kind of like balancing what, you know, the your clients want with what they actually need, and then also how to get feedback and take that feedback and and really how to um, deal with the fact that you're probably not going to make everyone happy. You know, there's always going to be certain people that aren't exactly happy what you're doing, especially when you're programming for gyms that have 300 members. So uh, we talk about that a little bit. Um, I wish you could see some of the programs that I wrote in the beginning. I look back at some sometimes and think, what was I thinking? Because, you know, it's always a growing process. So hopefully you'll take something from this episode. If you haven't already, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. It's how we reach more people. We can't thank you enough to those who already have taken the time to subscribe and leave us a review. Uh, We'd really appreciate if you haven't yet to take the 30 seconds and go ahead and do that. And we hope you enjoy today's episode. Happy Monday, everybody. This episode is all about programming for group classes. But before we dive into this, last week I alluded to a competition that you were in, Josh. And uh, we were talking about this weekend, and you actually lost by half a rep, I think you said. So there's a story behind that. Why don't you tell us how that went down? Oh, yeah, man. It was an unbelievable finish. One of the coolest things to be a part of. Such an awesome experience overall. And I have to give a shout out uh, to one of my athletes who is also my partner in this team competition, uh, Gina Militello. She was awesome. Carried me the whole way, of course. Um, but we um, we signed up for this competition. Kyle and I referenced Kyle, another uh, he was PT at Vertex, because we thought it would make us be a little bit more dedicated to our training. Both of us had uh, had let our training hit a little bit of uh, maybe put on the back burner with some other focuses of ours. We're like, okay, yeah, we're going we're gonna to sign up for this. We're going to train hard. We're going to go in. We're going to perform well. And really, it was like, we don't even care if we win the competition. It was kind of more of like a mano e mano situation. We wanted uh, Kyle and Rachel versus me and Gino. So it was, uh, it, it was going to be a great situation. But then, of course, 
life gets in the way. I pull a hamstring. Kyle ends up, you know, getting really busy at the new uh, Vertex location and, and is having all these new new patients that he wasn't expected. Um, so it was uh, in a situation where we actually ended up, I think, less trained than we were when we signed up, which is kind of funny. Um, but we went into it, and the competition is three workouts to be seated in the bracket. So everyone does three. Um, and we happened to be seated first after the uh, – um, after the three workouts, which was pretty cool um, from our gym. We had five teams there out, out of the 14 teams, and our five teams were one through five after those three. So that was pretty pretty cool experience. Um, so we get paired up one versus eight, two versus seven, and so on. Um, and it's bracket style. So you do a workout against the other team. And so our team, <clears throat> we were the one seed. I think Kyle and Rachel were, um, were the three seed. So we weren't going to face each other until the finals. And it just so happened we each won our, three, our, our two previous rounds, our two previous bracket matchups to, to get there in the finals. And then we did the final workout. It was four rounds of Nate, which is a hero workout. Um, it has two muscle-ups, four handstand push-ups, eight kettlebell swings. So it's a true sprint. Um, and you could break it up however you wanted. And um, Rachel locked out her last kettlebell swing, kind of, I would say about half a rep before I locked out mine. She beat me. She definitely beat me. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, we lost. And since it's head-to-head, it's like the clock. There's no clock. It's just you're just going. It's whoever finishes the work first. And uh, they got us. So um, it, it ultimately, I was lucky. I'm in a win-win situation there. If I win, that's awesome. If I lose, then my athletes win. So, so it's like a great situation to be in. Yeah, man. So there's a little drama at the finish. Sounds like I bet the uh, crowd was probably getting into that. It's probably actually pretty fun to watch, dude. It was it was intense, man. The amount I've not heard a CrossFit venue like a small gym like that have that much noise in a while. It was it was pretty <laughs> cool, man. It was cool to be a part of. I am you know it's a week later and I'm still still beat up. <laughs> that was yeah. more fitness in one day than I probably done in the previous three weeks. So uh, it was a lot, but it was so much fun. For sure, man. Well, hamstring held up and. Even did, though you lost, you, you still won because CPT won. So exactly. There you go. That's, that's what you guys just set yourself up to where you can't, you can't, <laughs> so, that was good. <laughs> and uh, you got a big announcement. You want to share the news? Yeah, man. So CPT, as most people know, we've been operating out of a CrossFit gym here in Columbia, Carolina CrossFit, and we actually are opening up our own facility, which is such a cool opportunity. We're so excited. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate to be able to be in um, the uh, huge space that Carolina CrossFit has um, and be working with with all those people and, and, and those coaches and those members. And, and I've been I've been at CCF since 2013, so it's been a really long time. Um, but, you know, just like any, you know, course of a business and, and growth of that business and growth of me as a coach. And uh, it was, it's just time, you know, it was time to, you know, expand into our own space where we can really focus on what we believe in, which is individual design and uh, continue to provide all of our, um, our, clients with the best you know coaching that we can and now hopefully we'll be able to expand even more locally um that's the big goal with this new space to be able to expand locally um to be able to to reach more people continue what we're doing online which is great um i love the remote part of our business but i'm i'm really excited to uh to hopefully make a bigger footprint in the Columbia area. So that's only, it's only 10 minutes away. Um, we're lucky. We happen to be in a, a new building in which a certain other business has also decided they want to move into. Um, so uh, more news on all that coming later. So make sure everybody's watching all the social medias uh, as we roll out more announcements. But um, that's the first step. We've got a new home. And if anybody's interested in learning more, don't hesitate to reach out um, to, to me about you know, in-person or remote stuff. We'd be happy to talk to you about what we do. 
It's awesome, man. I got a feeling this is going to be real big. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm so excited, man, and, and proud of your success. And it's just real cool to see how you started this thing from scratch. And, you know, I've, I've said this before, I've been in this PT and strength game for years now, and there's no one that does it better than CPT. I mean, you guys are at the top of the food chain. So it's going to be a really cool thing for the community and re really one of a kind. I mean, no one around here at least has built a gym based on individualized programming. So we got a lot of a lot of cool things uh, coming up to talk about in the next few weeks. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate the kind words for sure. And I'm excited for, uh, for all the stuff coming down the pipeline. Awesome. So back to the episode, programming for group training. So I, I guess let's talk about where we start. And, you know, what I want to know is how do we strike a balance between giving our clients what they want and giving them what they need? That's the hardest part about it, man. Um, and to give the listeners a little bit of a background, I wrote the group training program for exactly three full years. Um, my first uh, at my first month of writing the program at Carolina CrossFit was February of 2016, I believe. 67, yeah, um, or February 2015. That's right. And then I wrote my last month was January of 2018. So it was like three full years. Um, and it was awesome, a great experience, um, learned a ton, but you're right, there's, there's a balance that you have to try to strike between what people want, what people need, and the biggest thing is realizing, and this was the hardest thing for me, and you know, it was what you know, would keep me up at night, was um, the fact that you're never going to make everyone happy. You know, when you've got a group of, of 300 people that are following one program, you know, there's going to be a percentage of people that, that are just, you know, maybe need more, need different things, need more advanced uh, movements or more complexity or heavier loading or, or whatever it might be. And you're going to have the other people that are still so new that, that what you're doing is too advanced for them. So you're, you're very, it's very hard to write something that really does encompass everybody. So um, I found it to be, um, you know, frustrating at times because it would be, you'd, you'd give somebody a, um, you know, you'd give out a, a survey. We would do this periodically and I would get the exact same number of plies that say we need to run more that say we run too much that say we need to do more lifting to say we spend too much time lifting that say we need more gymnastics to we do too many gymnastics movements that I'm not able to do yet. Um, for, or we need more classic CrossFit to, I love doing the strongman stuff to like, I mean, you get so many different opinions and wants um, in there that, you know, every, you know, over time I realized like I am not going to make everyone happy. Um, and that really, really does get tough um, at, on the coach because you're always getting, you, you seem to always get the negative feedback um, versus getting the, the positive feedback, which the, you know, there definitely are people who are benefiting from what you're doing, but um, it's, it's tough, man. It, I think there's no perfect way to do it. Yeah, man, that sounds like a, a big headache. I mean, that was actually my, my first question was asked about communication. Because mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's key. And, and I just, I would struggle to see where that fits in, like what strategies you may implement just to get feedback from members on a regular basis. So, so questionnaire surveys sounds like is the way you did it. Mm -hmm. uh, do you find that to be the best way to get objective data, I guess, if you will. Yeah, you, you we would do that because you would get some anonymity with it. Um, but of course, like, you know, during that time, I was also coaching 20 classes a week out of the 30 or whatever it was a week or 40, whatever, however many we had. Um, I, I was doing uh, probably the majority of the coaching. So I was actually able to see how it was going. Um, but I wasn't, you know, necessarily coaching the morning classes. I was always noon till the end of the day. It was, was what I was doing. So I would have to rely on the coaches from the morning to give me feedback on how that went or the members in the morning specifically asking 
ones who've been around a while that I have great relationships with their honest opinions. And most of them would be pretty honest with it. Um, mm-hmm. But you kind of have to, you know, you know, see it with your eyes, but then also give people uh, an anonymous way of giving you their real feedback, because, you know, it's one of those things, you know, no one wants to hurt anybody's feelings, you know, they know that I'm trying to provide the best. But if they're, um, if they're thinking, you know, they want something different, that you got to give them the avenue to, to let you know that. For sure. And, and, you know, when we think about CrossFit, the average member is just going to get beat down every day. But as you know, you can only get away with that for so long. And like you said, you, you can't please everyone. So when, when starting thinking about program for a gym, I mean, how, how, do, how do we assess? How do we work in benchmarks or individual goals? Is that a thing? Um, is there like an overarching theme over a time block? Like basically, can you, can you periodize for a group? Like, like how do we begin with all this? Yeah, man, that's another great question. And I got to tell you, in that three years, I tried so many different methods to try to figure out what worked the best. I think they all have pros and cons. So one of the first ways I started doing it is I would just test the entire group. I would pick like a two-week block, and I would have a set number of things I would want to be completed. They would be programmed on specific days, but if someone missed a day, they could make it up on a different day. It was basically um, different, um, you know, areas of uh, resistance training or strength, um, Olympic lifting and energy system training, um, and maybe some structural work. So we're looking at like unilateral pushing and pulling, um, and, and maybe single leg work, uh, things that I want the whole group to, to complete. And then I would take all that data from maybe 300 entries or 300 people. And I would basically try to create avatars, like a male and female avatar. Um, and you know, that I quickly realized that one, the people who are just there for fun, they don't really care to do testing and do the same testing over and over and over again. And they actually don't want to do that, even if it does allow them to see progress. Um, so that, that was one thing I got pushed back. If we test too much and I was, I mean, we were testing maybe, you know, two or three times a year. Um, before I took over, they were testing, I think every quarter, which I think was a little too much. Um, cause then, you know, eight weeks out of your 52 weeks are spent testing there. Um, so uh, I backed it down to three and I think by the end I was doing it, you know, uh, um, twice a year, I was having people go through that, um, that exact battery of tests. And then I would do periodic, um, you know, I guess what you would call maybe checkups or reassessments of very specific things um, throughout maybe that six month period before testing again. Um, but I was, that's where I first started. Um, but the, the funny thing about that is, um, you know, you would get that and then, you know, the next time you would retest it, you know, you'd have so many turnover in members. Um, you'd have people who had different life events and it's how do you take into account people who, you know, were, were not training inconsistently and, the, and so they did not improve um, or, or, you know, they, you know, they, their max lift went up by five pounds and their 2k row went down by one second. But then you, you know, how do you take into account that they were, you know, on vacation for six weeks out of that six month and they've only averaged one and a half times per week over that six months. If you average it out, how do you take that into account? You know, is that really the programming or is that, you know, just that person, uh, you know, didn't put in the, uh, the work necessary, but there were so many other variables that you can't control with that, with that method too. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would, I would try to do it that way. And then I realized that's probably not going to um, so then I tried to do, you know, themes or, or certain different things after that to where what I would do is I would have, um, I would try to make the program as balanced as I could, but I would maybe pick out one or two things that I really wanted to focus on and I would let the members know. So I would be like, um, maybe we build to, um, a max front squat and we would do, um, say like, um, a, and, five minute AMRAP of double unders, you know, or something, you know, something that has, you know, a couple of different benchmarks, something that maybe is more on the strength side, something that's more of a skill, whatever it might be, or it might be a, a 2k row is the focus. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk and maybe a, an upper body pushing. So maybe it was like a, a 
strict press or a strict press and weighted pull up. And so that, so we now have like a little bit of a focus. I'd have them test just those things. And at the end of that cycle, I would test those again. But the issue with that is, you know, I was running into is you get people who, if they're inconsistent, when they're, when they're coming, they're not coming on the same days. You know, they could go three weeks without actually doing a strict press because they just happened to come in on Monday and Wednesday this week. And the next week it was Tuesday and Saturday. And the week after that, they only made it in Friday, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm asking, you know, I want to see their progress. Did they make any progress on the strict press? And it's like, well, they, they never actually did any strict press during that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are so many ways you can try to do it. Um, I always like to give the members something to focus on, or at least let them in on an idea of what I wanted them to improve on. Um, but then ultimately what I had to do is try to make it just as balanced as possible um, and try to figure out how to rotate training days. So, so to try to mitigate some of the inconsistency that you know, a lot of the members have when they're coming to train. Sure. So talked about a couple scenarios there, but let's say, I mean, you're five, you're four, five, six months into one of those blocks and one of those cycles and you got a brand new member that starts. How, how do you account for that? What do you exactly. do? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's one of the issues too, because like you don't necessarily want them to go into, well, it, 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 a couple of different things. One, if they're truly a beginner, you know, depending on what you're trying to retest, they're not going to be able to express, you know, what, you, what you're desiring to be able to even get a good number. You know, if they've never back squat before and we're working on improving our back squat, it, I can't really use their initial numbers uh, to gauge, how, you know, the efficacy of my program because they're going to get better doing anything. They're still learning how to do the movement. Um, same thing if they're coming off the couch and I have them row 2K on day one. You know, if they row three or four times in, in the, that span, just getting used to being on the rower and getting used to actually breathing above baseline, then, you know, they're going to improve. So um, it, it really doesn't, those kind of methods of doing things don't take into account um, the beginner aspect of, of a lot of the individuals that come in. Um, so what I would try to do at first, we would have like a, an intro process. They would go through at least learn the movements. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily have them do any kind of assessment or testing in terms of like figuring out numbers for, to be able to assess progress right away. They would just kind of roll into the next one. Um, but eventually that I kind of got away from, um, that, that was kind of referring back to those multiple big testing blocks a year. I kind of rolled away from those, um, pretty early on. I realized that that was really tough to do with such a big gym. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got to think that if, if, if a person's goal is just general fitness, let's call it wellness, that they might be okay just jumping in as long as they're moving granted we don't want them to get hurt you know mm-hmm. barring injury but i know the answer to this but i just want to put it out there anyway do the athletes that actually win these competitions do they do they do group classes or are we looking at individualized programming yeah i think um i i would say it would de- number one to kind of cover all my bases it would it would deter be- depend on the size of the competition and the the strength of the competition i think that the vast majority now are they might be doing the class, the 60 minute class that you might see in a standard CrossFit gym, but most likely they're doing something else in addition to it or in place of it on some days, or maybe they only do the classes on the weekend when it's a partner workout, or they may be following a group program, but it's geared towards competition. So it's not necessarily the standard general fitness class. It's very specific to the sport. Um, but I would argue that, that oftentimes the, people that are winning these competitions and are, you know, the ones that maybe you're seeing on the podium of multiple competitions that have shown kind of a little bit of longevity, they're usually um, following something that's a little bit more tailored to them. Gotcha. And, and, you know, other things I've seen is 
that, you know, some gyms will have like a, like a, you know, group A workout, group B workout, that kind of thing. Um, it, it just, it doesn't seem like after hearing you talk, it doesn't seem like there really is a right way to do it. And I guess that's why you'll also see people outsource their program as well too. Like, can you talk about a few of the companies that do that? Yeah, they're definitely, you know, one, we d- we've done that in the past. I've written for gyms all around the country before, um, and including outside the country. I think the farthest uh, one that I have written for was in the Middle East. Um, and so there are, um, you know, we do that and as do a lot of other coaches, but then they have some, some kind of bigger services um, like uh, Jason Kalipa and the NorCal people have one. Um, you get uh, Miranda, I think her last name's Alvarez now, and uh, the street parking does it. Um, I think uh, the Misfit group has a, a group program there. Oftentimes, gyms that don't really um, know what they're doing from a programming standpoint will just follow the class workouts from a bigger gym. So they might look and see what is CrossFit Invictus doing in their classes because most places are posting what their classes are doing on social media and they'll just do that you know we've had gyms all around the country because you can look and see where people are accessing your ip um your ip address they're like where they're where they're coming from and we'll have gyms uh you know around the country that are consistently looking at our workout page and then you can go and see that people are, are doing your class workouts at another gym um so a lot of people will go that route um and you can pay for it you can find free options there um again if it's generalized there's not going to be a ton of uh, well, I, I don't know how to put this. Um, I guess there are better general programs than others, but in, in the end, ultimately, none of them are very specific to that individual, which I would argue that eventually uh, over the kind of the mm-hmm. lifespan of fitness, one has to kind of move more the individual route if they want to continually make progress. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and this, this is yet another reason why I, I do not have a, ever to have a desire to actually be in, in the CrossFit affiliate business because I just, I feel like if you know, yes, we may have to give the people what they want. We may have to, you know, try to navigate our way around doing some group classes, possibly outsourcing. But if we're truly going to do what's best for our clients, we're going to have to filter into the individualized programming side because ultimately that's what's going to be best for them in the long run. That's my opinion. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think obviously I'm a little biased, I guess. Uh, now I'm trying to be PC with my answers here, as probably most people can tell, because uh, I am pretty passionate about this topic. And I, I agree. I think that my biggest problem was when I would be in a group class coaching a, a group of 20 to 30 individuals. It would either be me and, and possibly another coach, maybe if we had two, um, coaching a workout that I wrote for this group. And I've you know done as much research on our population as possible to try to provide the the all you know the best program I can for that group and then I'd be sitting there and of the 30 people I you know I every person I look at like you need to be doing this instead you need to be doing this instead you need to be doing this because there's a big difference between scaling something and um, individualizing something. I think people look at it from an, a scaling perspective, like, oh, this is for everyone. I think when we talk about scaling, that just means everybody can come in and do something that looks similar. That doesn't mean that everybody can come in and get what they need. Um, I think that there's like one big difference there is that, you know, scaling will allow everybody in the gym perform um, an upper body pulling variation on a day when upper body pulling is programmed. But it doesn't mean that that person's getting the right amount of pulling. They're in the perfect variation for them. They've got the, t- the, the tempo um, needed for, for what they need to accomplish. You know, um, but it doesn't take into account whether they need to be doing, um, you know, a higher ratio of pulling to pull uh, to pushing than somebody else it also doesn't take into account um kind of if 
pulling is really their number one priority that they probably need to be doing it, um, you know, earlier in the week off of a rest day versus, you know, the end of a workout on day three of training. You know, there's so many different other variables that aren't accounted for when you just talk about, you know, the scaling of a workout. So um, I think that that sometimes that gets misinterpreted. And that's what was the hardest part for me is I'd be, I'd be coaching this group and I could look at every single person. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you don't need to be doing this. You need to be doing something else. But, you know, you know, that's why they're there. They're there to be in that group class and to, to hang out with their friends. So that internal struggle is always tough. Sure. And it, it almost seems like the more experience that you gain as a coach, the more responsibility you're going to have to do what's best for your client. And, and I got to think that leans heavily towards individualized programming. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you know good and well that someone should be scaling a movement, yet you can't allow that because it's going to screw up the flow of the class, it, it might be hard to sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, imagine it's like same kind of thing I think about with, with like a PT, you know, a different, a different scenario. It's like, imagine you had a group of 10 individuals that you're working with and they're all post-op ACLs and they're all at different stages and they're all have different precautions and they all have different, you know, backgrounds and previous athletic histories. And it's like, you come in, it's like, okay, uh, you know, I can't do the, you know, I'm not going to do the exact same thing with each person, right? Each person, there's some, there's differences on what they need to do. And that may be a horrible example, but I'm trying to think about it from like, I know we have a lot of PTs that listen. It's that's a, a real example. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know, that's kind of what I'm going is, is like each person we would be able to look at and be able to tell if they're, if you know, what they need to do. And, you know, most PTs would look at it and be like, of course, I'm not going to do the exact same thing with every ACL, even if they're all, you know, four months out. You know, well, who's running in a straight line? Who's, uh, you know, who's not running at all yet? Who was immobilized because they had, um, you know, some kind of meniscal damage that they, that, that changed their uh, immediate post-op protocol? Um, you know, like, you know, just because they're all ACL reconstructions and they're all four months out and they all want to get back to playing a sport. Even if they're all, even if you make it even more homogeneous, even if they're all high school females that are going back to playing soccer. You know, that's still there. You're, you're controlling variables, but they're still all so different. And that happens in a group class scenario too. It's like, okay, yeah, everyone's there because they quote unquote want to get fit, but that doesn't mean that, you know, that, that they can do the same things. Sure. You know, that, that, uh, that PT example you gave, that's, that's actually a a real, real world current scenario. I mean, there are clinics out there that will absolutely take 10 different or even similar post-op knee patients, post-op lower extremity patients, they will run them through the exact same workout mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And that is, that is not practicing at the top of your license. That's, that's a really shitty way to practice PT. I cannot endorse that. Yeah. All. It's the same thing too. If it's like, not even they're all, like you mentioned, they could be, you have one that's post-op ACL, one's a post-op MPFL reconstruction. One, um, you know, is coming off of a, um, uh, some kind of ankle procedure. Another one had uh, hip labor repair. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like each one of them is doing the exact same, you know, uh, quote unquote, lower body strengthening protocol. And it's like, you know, again, like you said, it's not practicing at the top of your license. Well, I would say in, in the fitness world where we're not, you know, we don't have a license, but in terms of, um, you know, our knowledge base, we're not practicing at the top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no wonder we have such a high recurrence weight for rate for non-contact ACL reconstruction soup. Mm-hmm. But uh, I digress, man. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned a little while ago, some of those places where you can outsource your programming. Do you have any other resources or recommendations for more information on the topic if someone does want to get better at group classes? Because that is how a lot of our listeners make a living. 
Well, to tell you the truth, I think the most important thing um, is finding someone who's done a lot of this, finding a mentor, finding someone that you can bounce ideas off of, um, analyzing other gyms programs. So look at gyms that have been around for a while, been successful, um, ones that, you know, have, you know, a big membership base and has mem- have members that stay for long periods of time and, and look at what they're doing. Look at their, uh, look at what the program is. And then, you know, some of that is going to be what they're doing, but a lot of it is the, their coaching staff and how they foster a community and how well their coaches engage with each member. So there's so many different variables. You can't just pin it on what they're doing from a program standpoint. But odds are, if they were doing programming that really got people hurt all the time, or it was just so you know, so terrible, they probably would not have the member retention rates that they do. Um, so it at least means that it's formidable. Um, so I would recommend finding someone first. Um, and then, you know, doing your own strength and conditioning research. Um, I still think, like you mentioned, there can be periodization in a group program there. I think there needs to be, I think, um, sessions need to build on each other. Um, the way I would do that is I would have, um, you know, if I'm trying to balance it, I would have, you know, a theme for each day and then I would build on that for a cycle. So imagine this, I've got a, a six to eight week block and say every Saturday, I'm going to do a partner workout. That's what we did just because it was a way to bring everybody that was doing individual programming and things into the group. So, um, you know, we have partner stuff on Saturdays and then Monday through Friday, I essentially have four training days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. I have four days that are going to be more of like that class specifically. And I would, I would basically cycle through movement patterns. So maybe I would have a uh, lower body squatting, upper body pushing, a hinging, and then a upper body pulling. Um, and then I would, I would rotate those days. So I wasn't only doing a squat pattern on Monday and not any other day, because what if somebody can never come on Mondays? I've got to create it as balanced as possible. So I would maybe rotate through that. So I would have say a, um, you know, five days of programming for four days or five different templates essentially for four days and I'll rotate through. So like the first week squatting's on a Monday, the next week it's on Tuesday, the next week it's on Wednesday, the next week it's on Friday. And then it cycles back through. And I would do that with my accessory squatting work would be on a different day. So that way it would give them a couple opportunities each week to go through full knee flexion and it would be on different days each week. And over the course of a cycle, I would hope that people would be able to hit each one of those movement patterns enough to be able to see progress upon you know the end of the cycle if we were to retest something and then what I can do there is I can build every time I, that day comes up so maybe it's you know build to a heavy five in the back squat and then hit some drop sets and then the next week, you know, it's on Tuesday instead of Monday, I'm, I'm building to a heavy four and hitting drop sets. And the next week's on Wednesday, I'm building to a heavy three and hitting drop sets. And then on the next week, I'm built to a heavy double and I'm hitting, you know, drop sets from that. And then finally, at the end of that, maybe I'm doing five, four, three, two, one. And then I hit a heavy single at the end of the cycle. And now I've, I've progressed that specific movement pattern over the course of the cycle. And it hasn't been, you know, ideal necessarily because it's been changing days. And some days it's on a Monday at the beginning of the week coming off a rest day. Some days it's on a Wednesday, you know, the third training day. It's not perfect, but by you can create some progression within say a cycle. And then you can also have um, it changing days enough that somebody who only comes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, doesn't consistently miss the same thing every week. Um, So you can build some periodization in there. So I would encourage people to read on, you know, read any kind of literature that's going to help you with that. That could be the essentials of strength conditioning. Um, It could be um, the book periodization um, is a great one. Um, That one's by Bompa. That's great. Science, science, uh, you know, science of practice of strength training, I think is great. 
um, those are, you know, that's that's your Zatsky or C. I don't know how to say it exactly. Um, but those, those are great books there that are going to help you figuring out how to periodize things, how to progress things. Um, and then I think you can take the principles from any other um, course that might be focused on individual design and carry them over. Um, so of course I always reference OPEX stuff or training think tank stuff or, you know, honestly, if you have questions, you know, send me a message um, and we'll, we'll chat about it. Um, because I think, you know, the best kind of learning sometimes is, is talking it through with somebody and, and bouncing ideas off of a mentor. No, I love that, man. That was, that was a really nice example for any coaches listening out there just to kind of look at the, the big picture and try to think like three or four steps ahead and consider periodization if it's not something that you incorporate in your program as well too. And, you know, also Josh, I appreciate your candor, man, you know, taking, taking, some examples out of your personal experience and the struggles, the things that worked, things that didn't go so well, because no business, no CrossFit gym, they're going to, they're going to put that out there on the social media for the public to see too. So you don't get a lot of the behind the scenes stuff uh, that doesn't go so well. And you know, be honest with you, making mistakes is also how we learn as human beings too. So it's really good to hear. Yeah, man. I, you know, I think that's, that's a huge part of it. You're right. I mean, you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes sometimes, you know. Um, I have a little poster that my, I think my great aunt got me when I was little. That was, I always had my room that said you can learn little. From, you, you learn little from victory. You learn everything from defeat. Um, and I thought that was always uh, an interesting way to, you know, have that mindset. And so, you know, that's what a lot of this is. It's trial and error. You're going to try something. You get feedback from either a quantitative perspective if you're retesting or you know, from the, uh, from your members and more of like subjective feedback, if they're, if they're giving a questionnaire or you're just, you know, asking them about it. Um, and then, you know, you try different things. I would go through phases where I would do, you know, closer to the open, obviously I would include more Olympic lifting type variations in the group class because we would be trying to do that as uh, as a gym. But after the open, I would pull back on that. I would give them a little more of what they need there. I would do a little bit more classic bodybuilding type stuff because I could always frame that and be like, hey, summer's coming, beach body, we gotta get ready. We're gonna do a little bit more classic bodybuilding kind of stuff. And then I could get in you know, more you know, uh, general resistance training with higher time under tension. And now that I framed it in a way that I'm not getting pushback on why aren't we doing Fran kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and, you know, you can kind of push, you know, go through cycles like that. I've tried everything, man. I did thigh day Friday, you know, for a while where we did squats every Friday. Um, you know, I've done, I, I mean, we've gone through a lot of different things, but a lot of it is you're going to get pushback no matter what, because not every person is going to be, you know, going to be happy. And so you just have to, you know, be okay with that. Do your best to make sure that you're hitting every big movement pattern every week. I didn't want to have a week where I wasn't touching, you know, every movement pattern. I didn't want to have a week where I wasn't doing something rotational while, you know, working in different planes because everybody gets stuck in that sagittal plane all the time with CrossFit. So I, you know, I had certain boxes I had to check every week. Um, but then a lot of it's trial and error, get your feedback and then just be confident in what you're doing and knowing that you're doing the best that you can. Um, and, and ultimately the, the, best program isn't necessarily the one you're writing it's the one that you can you know articulate the reason why to the members so I would do um, a lot of videos I would post in our Facebook group explaining exactly what we're doing that week and why and then also you know in the grand scheme of things you got to create the relationship with the person anyway so um, Mm -hmm. you know spending more of your time not worried about exactly what you put on the board uh, and focusing on the person um, and then working from there Trial and error, one hundred percent. Just don't kill anyone. Yeah, and that uh, that also circles back around to what we first started talking about this episode. You can't please everyone, no matter what you do. So keep that in mind. Yep. So I think it's a good way to end the episode. So if you want to look us up, check us out on Instagram at Better Faster Podcast. We're gonna do a Q and A episode here soon, so be uh, be on the lookout for that. I think I'm gonna put up on the story this week. I'll keep it up all week. So uh, send us those questions. And as always, we appreciate all the subscribes, the five star reviews, all those wonderful things our loyal listeners do to help us out on the internet. Have a great week. We'll be back next Monday.
This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.